0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Big Ten Weekly Hoop Show. I am here with Brett, and we are about to get started with part two of our season previews. Um, those of you that um, are looking for um, part one, um, in, in part one, we uh, broke down um, teams that we viewed were ranked um, 14 through 8th. Um, in the conference, so if you want to hear about how we thought the bottom of the conference was going to fare this year, um, tune into part one, and in that we'll we'll give you the sort of detailed breakdown of of the storylines with each team and what we think's going on there. Um, here in part two, we're going to talk about the topic conference. So um, hopefully a lot more fun, um, hopefully a lot more riveting and passionate discussion. Um, and and really as we as we get here into into team ranked number seven. Um, kind of an upstart surprising team that that both of us kind of had on our list is the Ohio State Buckeyes um they I think it's fair to say that they underachieved last year the leader of their team was uh was you know a a, a guy that left for the NBA and kind of was um, a, a high scoring guy but really prone to foul and foul efficiency and just reckless uh reckless play um this year you know with with Chris Holtman you know i I think they're they're potentially going to be a lot, a lot more solid, but um, you know, as I mentioned, they, they lose Bryce Sensenbaugh and a, a few other role players, but you know, they, uh, they get, they pick up Jamison battle from the transfer portal, which I think is probably the the best uh, transfer nab that I arguably the best transfer nab that I think anyone in the conference acquired. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they really, I, I think had a, had an okay kind of end of their season, despite the, some of the suffers they had in conference play in the middle, but Brett, maybe the question for you on these guys is, is why did you sort of have them near the upper middle of the conference when they were sort of near the back end last year?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really fair question. I think it starts with how they finished the season kind of uh, as in, in the big 10 tournament specifically. And and I think part of it was they were just playing totally not scared of anything, uh, just really trying to show up and, and, well themselves to an NCAA tournament bid, and obviously that fell short against, uh, a, you know, an elite Purdue team. But for for four games, they really looked locked in, um, and that's despite you know Bryce about not playing as well as he could have. Um, so I think that kind of goes to show that, you know, you have Bruce Thornton and you have a you know kind of a bunch of other guys that, and you have a good coach like Chris Holtman, and you also bring in. Jameson Battle, you bring in Dale Bonner from from Baylor. Uh, Evan Mahaff- Mahaffey is a, a really interesting player, but you also bring in three top sixty freshmen. And I think that that you know those kind of those factors and uh, the cast surrounding Thornton and you, when you kind of look to their front court, a really experienced frontcourt of Zed Key and Felix Opara. I think I think that the continuity and talent is sort of there in a way that the teams that we've talked about previously uh, on the last episode didn't necessarily have that. And you add Chris Holtman into the mix, who I still believe is a really good coach. And uh, I think you've got a team that can, you know, make it back into the, into the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah. I, I think I, I agree on, on Holtman being a good coach. I don't know that continuity is the, the word that I would nab to this team, but I, I do think having Zeg Key to anchor your post and, and having Bruce Thornton, who really had a strong second half of the year last year. And I think it's just a really, really tough, point guard kind of anchoring your, your offense and your defense for that matter, I, I think is, is a really good thing. You know, it, it, it's interesting, right? Because I, I feel like we were talking about the same thing last year with this team. They nabbed a number of intriguing transfers and they um, supposedly had a really, really good recruiting class. Didn't necessarily pan out, but I agree. I mean, I don't know that there's, I mean, maybe other than Michigan State, I don't know there's anyone else in the rest of the conference that can really um, whose who's recruiting class stacks up with what Ohio State's bringing in. You know, in, in some ways, I'd actually think it, it, it could be good because I, I don't think there's going to be super high expectations for the team. I think the expectation is going to be that they improve and get back to consistent play. Uh, but I don't know that, like, you know, we're in a world where they're going to be expected. I mean, probably to make the tournaments, the expectation. But I think um, even just given the year they've had, they've kind of re-anchored people you know, back down a little bit. And so I think that'll give the freedom for some of these freshmen who are who are strong recruits, but not like prime, prime time recruits to um, get some playing time and uh, learn the way of the road anchored by, you know, a- along with the help of kind of Thornton and Key and, and uh, Battle. So interesting to see where Ohio State will, will land this year. Um, moving to team number six now. So we have, well, was the surprise of the season last year in Northwestern, in the Northwestern Wildcats. Um, They ended up finishing tied for second in the conference. Um, They, they won a game in the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because that, that obviously came out of nowhere for, for both of us. Um, And when you look at how their roster turned over, I mean, you know, they lose some guys, they bring in some guys, but, um, all in all, it, it doesn't look like a, a super inspiring um, roster when you just look at the the face of it. But kind of when you start to go one level deeper, um, obviously, Boo Booey, uh, all conference type player, you know, one of the best players in the conference. You got to prove that last year. Brooks Barnheiser and Matthew Nicholson are not going to wow you with their stat sheet production, but. Um, they are really, really effective players in Northwestern system. I think the addition of uh, Ryan Langborg, the, the transfer from Princeton is going to give them some much needed shooting. But I, I think at the end of the day, this really kind of comes down to do they play as good of a defense as they played last year? And does Bowie have the, the level of production that he had last year, which was like strikingly efficient, but just also awfully like effective in um, in crunch time when he needed it. Um, my my gut is going to tell me yes, because they earned our trust last year. But I, I don't know, Brett, curious kind of what you think. Just, just talk about how out of nowhere that last season was.
1: I mean, I think we talked about on the preseason show last year, if we would be talking about Chris Collins again, this like this coming season. Uh, I mean, his job was in serious jeopardy and he pulled a second place finish out of nowhere, basically in the conference. And but to kind of once you kind of look at more, they the Northwestern won a lot of close games, and had they lost on the last day of the season, they would have been ninth in the conference. Uh, just to kind of drive home how crazy last year was for everyone, basically outside of Purdue. Um, and you, you mentioned kind of the effectiveness of Boo Booey and his ability to to take and make tough shots is is pretty unparalleled, I think, throughout the league. I mean, the interesting thing is there's no other. Real estab. I mean, Langborg, you said brings in brings in shooting. We've you know we we know that that Brooks Barnheiser kind of needs to take a jump, but like has been effective. Nicholson's a solid player for sure, but there's no one with the gravity of Chase Adige anymore. Um, And I think that's kind of how Bowie was able to really be as effective was to have another star player to play off of. And I'm I'm interested to see if he can kind of increase it or keep the same level of efficiency. you know, and not not kind of backslide a little bit performance-wise without without Adige there. There's no re- there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to kind of keep getting better, um, and and making those plays from Northwestern. Um, but I think he'll need a commensurate jump out of someone like Barnheiser or Langborg to shoot well. Or you've got Justin Mullins or Blake Blake and the other two transfers they're bringing in, and I think you're going to need something like that. Um, but as you said, this team will still play incredibly tough defense. Nicholson's a huge defensive anchor there. Um, you know they've got guys on the bench that have played, you know, meaningful minutes. So, you know, I, we're not going to be talking about Chris Collins getting fired, but they're still not bringing in high-level talent really, you know, in recruiting. Um, and so I think that that's going to catch up with them eventually. I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think, you know, competing for a double buy, competing for a tournament spot, I think that's a realistic expectation for, for this Northwestern team.
0: Yeah, and I think to that point, let's just, let's, I think, set the table for the rest of the preview while also kind of putting Northwestern into context. So I I think, you know, the last few teams that we've talked about, um, Northwestern, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan, um, they're teams that um, are not complete by any means, but they have a lot of pieces in place, whether um, they're from last year or they were acquired through the transfer portal that. Give us reason to believe that these are the teams that are gonna be sort of solid to fringe bubble teams, uh, but I don't know that any of these teams have any shot at contending for the conference title. I know it was a fun, it was fun for Northwestern when they were sort of in it for the um, kind of uh, the third quarter of the conference season last year, for lack of a better word. But I, I think moving from the the number 16 to the number five team now, we're Um, No longer going to be talking about bubble teams and probably talking about teams that will um, contend for the conference title um, and and be solidly in the tournament. I think Northwestern is the perfect place to to draw that line. And so on that note, um, moving from Northwestern to the team that we had ranked number five, um, Illinois fighting Illini. Um, Now, maybe I'll go I'll go first on them. I think there's a strong argument to have this team kind of higher on the list than where we have them. Um, especially when you consider the fact that when you look at just who they're returning, um, you could maybe make the argument that they have three all-conference caliber players returning um, in in Terrence Shannon Jr., Coleman Hawkins. And I, I don't know that we put Dane Danger in that category, but I actually think the center position in the conference, well, no one's going to be all-conference over Zach Eady, but when you talk about second team, I think it's it's sort of a cluster of a lot of different guys that can end up you know being the, the second best big in the conference. But all that being said, um you know it's it's those returning guys that I think are the reason why um Illinois is up here. But the reason that they're not higher, in my opinion, is because of Brad Underwood and because I think our uh, we've been pretty or at least I've been pretty um consistent in my belief that I just don't think he does a good job um as a coach harnessing the talent that he has and getting their full potential. Um and so it's very very interesting to me that um Shannon and Hawkins, guys who I, I don't know if they would have gotten drafted or not, but definitely have traits that lead people to think they'll have, you know, at least make an NBA roster and have a shot at an NBA career, you know, that that they're they're both back in town. Um I don't know, you know, Underwood's gonna have to do a lot, at least with Hawkins to get him to just play with any sense of IQ. Um, but I, I think nonetheless, you know, Shannon's talent, the, the the combination of that trio and I mean, anything that they get out of the guard play, I think puts them, you know, in double by contention. And I think they're clearly a notch above those teams six through nine that, that we just referenced.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it goes without saying that for, for lack of better terminology last year, the, the vibes were just off with the with Illinois, whether that was Sky Clark leaving midway through the season, uh, you know, just kind of never really getting to where they should be given how much talent. I think we picked them as the conference champions last year, and they ended up losing an 8-9 game to an Arkansas team that was way better than them you know, I think, I think it took a while for them to really kind of figure out how to effectively use their pieces. And then guys started getting hurt and it was just, it was just kind of all over the place. The locker locker room rumors weren't weren't great. That being said, I think like, yeah, there are definitely questions about Underwood's ability as a a personality manager and even a little bit as a, as an in-game coach now, I think, but you know, you can't deny the all conference level caliber of Terrence Shannon. You can't deny that when Coleman Hawkins is, playing within himself and not trying to do too much he's got a lot of talent he just immediately then makes five of the dumbest players plays you've seen in your life immediately after making one really good one but if you look at his game against wisconsin last year I, he hit I think he went five of six from three when they hosted the badgers and and had almost almost if not exactly 30 points and you know just it, so you can see that it's there and it it can happen. It just needs to be more consistent and he needs to stop turning the ball over so much and kind of doing all these dumb things. But, you know, when you, when you look at those two guys and the kind of collection of talent that they have coming in, uh, you know, Marcus Domask is a really good player from, from Southern Illinois, uh, Quincy Guerriere and Justin Harmon are both, are both solid contributors. Um, and then they've got a, a top 65 guy coming in, uh, Amani Hansberry. Um, I think the but you you mentioned that anything they could get out of the guard spot is is a plus obviously besides shannon and I, I think you really kind of have to drive that home point like i it's it's kind of a disaster for them at the point guard now with with sincere Harris or sorry with uh Jaden Epps and sky clark gone I mean Ty Rogers is projected to be their top point guard and and he can't shoot at all i mean it's it's a problem and if you're if your point if your main point of attack guy I mean shannon's going to be handling the ball a lot so i I think We'll see some development from Rogers, but I am not really sure what else they have there. And with with point guard being so important, um, you know, you can't be having you can't have your the initiator of your offense just be a guy you can play off of by five feet. Um, so I think they need to figure something out. Maybe that's just giving Shannon the ball all the time and 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 running shooters around him, but. I, I think that if they can't figure that out, they're going to lose a lot of these close games if they can't effectively run an offense.
0: Yeah, I, I do not trust Mr. Underwood to figure out their point guard situation, um, just given given uh, his inability to figure out other more simple situations when he's had a lot more talent. So um, I think I, moral I, of story, more of the story. Yeah, no, I know. Th- I think. I, I, I'm struggling to think of a coach that we've
1: gone like all the way around on where we started, where we were like, I don't know about this. And then they had a, you know, a good year and we we're like, okay, like maybe he can do this. And now we're back. It's like, just totally do not trust him again. Uh, I think he's, he's lost whatever. And reasonably so. I I don't think it's a stretch to say that like Brad Underwood is a question mark now Uh, in games.
0: Yeah. And, and as I was going to say, moral of the story with Illinois, they're here because of their talent, not because of their coach. Um, I think in the past they've won despite their coach, but we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, moving on to team number four here. Um, the fourth place team that we are going to talk about now is the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, we hype on this podcast a lot about the importance of roster continuity and um success the following year. I think Northwestern was a really, really good example of that last year. And Wisconsin has a chance to be that team this year. Uh, they turn over, I believe their entire starting five. Chucky e. Hepburn's back. Um, Klesmith's back. Connor Asijin's back. Tyler Wall's back. Stephen Kral's back. Um, it, it's, it's funny because when you look at the number of transfers coming into the conference by team, um, I think Wisconsin has the fewest of uh of any team, maybe other than Michigan State, and the guy they're bringing in um, is an interesting prospect in um, AJ Store from St. John. Um, but all that being said, you know uh, this was a really, really underwhelming Wisconsin team last year. So I think it's it's fair for people to ask us why we have them so high, and I think there's no better person than you, Brett, to to make the case than that. Um, aside the fact that uh, they have really, really strong roster continuity.
1: And I, I was gonna lead into well, well, you're a homer like oh come on, they were four, they were 20 and 15 last year, they won nine conference games, and that's all pretty fair. I just, I think that basically everything that could have broke wrong for Wisconsin last year did, and they still won 20 games, uh, including you know on the road in Marquette. And you know they they dropped some games they should not have blown that 17 point lead at Nebraska, but it all started last year when Tyler Wall went down with an injury against minnesota and it was an ankle injury and he just wasn't right the rest of the year pretty much and he needed to be he that's this is a guy that the team needs uh you know to finish around the basket to be a distributor out of the post and to be you know their their kind of top wing defender um and you know he was it was this team just kind of kept missing layups and it just it didn't have a you know, Chucky e. Hepburn was attempting to kind of be the go-to guy, but he shot worse from two percent than he did from three percent last year. And, you know, it's kind of hard to do to be the go-to guy when when that happens. So I think that just another year of experience and and getting his point guard skills up. And now, you know, you you always kind of the last few the read on Wisconsin last year has been the lack of outside shooting. And that's where you you look at Klesmet, you look at Connor Asijan, and you look at A.J. Storr, who shot forty percent last year. Um, and you've got a top six that frankly, I would put against pretty much any other top six in the country. And there's more depth this year, um, you know, with with kind of some of the freshmen they've got coming in with, with Gussie Alden kind of being the most ready out of all of them. And Kamari McGee's back, um, you know, there there's this team can go like eight ish deep uh, or nine deep pretty consistently, I think. Um, and I think that if they even get a couple breaks that they didn't get last year, you know, this is a team that's got double by potential, um, and you know, look would be safely in the tournament, uh, as opposed to last year where they were kind of on the bubble exclusively, uh, after, after wall went down, but you know, it's going to come down to, can this team actually make enough shots? Because you know, the identity with with Wisconsin is they're going to play slow-ish, uh, they're going to be stout, stout on the defensive end, um, and you know, adding a dimension in store who's more athletic and and, and, able to get to the rim better while still maintaining a decent outside shot is uh, going to be really big for this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up slotting into the starting lineup uh, and then letting Klesmet play more with the, the, the kind of reserve lineups, which would, would be a huge bonus for Wisconsin that uh, had depth issues last year.
0: Yeah. You know, I, so I, I agree with you and that I think last year's Wisconsin team got unlucky, but the, the where they finished was not a reflection of the talent on their team it was more a reflection of a, a bunch of other stuff going on that and and i agree i i look forward to i think seeing the you know dependable reliable product that we're used to of the Greg guard area era being you know I, I look forward to us trusting that we can see that a lot more this year with a more veteran roster so um, I think more of the story, I don't know that it's just shock anyone that we have Wisconsin this high given their roster continuity and given. Um, how much talent we know is on this team. Um, but I, I think that being said, that all that being said, um, it's not easy to especially with how strong the middle of this conference is. Um, you know they I think also just mentally and collectively as a team, um, they're gonna have to bring that punch like they've brought um, in the last couple of years. you know Chucky Heppard is is gonna have to you know be the guy that takes the go-to shots. You know, Tyler Wall is going to have to get back to the the form that we're used to and not the ragged play that we saw last year. Um, and Stephen Crow is going to be all reliable down there um, to help Wisconsin slow the game down and control controlled pace. Um, all right, moving to team number three now. We have the Maryland Terrapins ranked number three. Uh, and, you know, it's a similar argument for why they're number three. Um, they returned Jameer Young, who um, was one of the best scorers in the conference last year. Um, they returned Dunn Scott, who it feels like it's his 17th year in college basketball. Um, and they return Julian Reese, who might be one of the most fun big guys that um, exists in the conference. No slouch to Zach Eady or Clifford Murray or any of the other big guys. But um, Julian Reese is, is super fun when they get that offense going and just the athleticism that, that he has there. Um, you know, they, they also, you know, bring in uh a couple of top top one hundred guys, including, you know, Deshaun Harris Smith, who uh might be able to even slot his way into the starting lineup, um, you know, just given uh just given the pieces of their roster that aren't returning. Um I, I think it'd be a pretty big accomplishment for Kevin Willard if these guys can finish all the way in third in um, th- this year, but I, I ultimately think the the argument for them is when you look at those three guys that are returning. I, I don't, I, I think there's very few teams that can match up with them talent-wise. Um, and you know, Kevin Willard proved to us that even though he might have been whining about the conference schedule and, um, you know, we weren't sure whether he was gonna, you know, fit in there, you know, well, he had them playing pretty consistent basketball and. You know, they they hit their expectations last year. There wasn't a, a drop off per se. Um, and I think that we can trust him that, you know, they're going to come out even better than this year, just given the the tools that he now has in his toolbox.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you read kind of media previews of of the of the conference this year, like Maryland is like that, the, the sexy like underdog, you know, dark horse conference champion potential things. And I, you know, I don't think we need to get carried away, but I, I echo your your kind of being impressed with, with what Kevin Willard brought in, in his first season, kind of a piecemeal team. And now he gets guys that have bought into his system that can perform at a high level in, in Julian Reese and, and done Scott and, and um, uh, Jameer young and, you know, Jameer young, obviously a Charlotte transfer, but came in and, and really, really played well consistently last year. Um, So that's, that's obviously huge to have a lead guard that can really control, control a game like that while also being explosive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the word out of, out of, you know, their, their preseason trip, I think, and some other stuff is that Deshaun Harris Smith is the real deal. And I mean, obviously, you know, everything's going to be skewed slightly, but he's a top 30 kid. And I think, I think you're right. The way that their roster breaks down, uh, he's going to have every opportunity to be an opening night starter. Um, and then Jamie Kaiser is another guy that, that you're going to want to look for, um, as a freshman. I think Jordan Geronimo is a really interesting transfer from Indiana in that, You know, he brings kind of some athleticism and, um, you know, he's not going to be asked to do too much, but team needs a burst of energy or, or some defense. And he's going to be, he's going to be there to kind of make those hustle plays that go underappreciated. Um, so I think, I think the pieces are all there for this to be a, a good year for, you know, we're talking second weekend of the tournament, things like that. Um, and I think that, you know, just, despite losing a couple, you know, guys like Hakeem Cart and Don Carey, uh, Kevin Willard has, has really kind of put this team in in position to to be successful as he's really starting to get his guys in there.
0: Beyond that, I don't really know that I have much more to say uh, with with respect to Maryland. So, you know, they're they're better than a fringe bubble team for sure, and that's you know probably why we um, you know don't don't have them in that middle tier of the conference. Um, but I, I think maybe the only other thing I'd say is while we have them at three. I don't know that I see this team cracking the top two. And I think that will be clear when we kind of actually start talking about the top two teams, which um, just like you're in midseason form with segues, I'll, I'll give myself a pat on the back for um, making that a great segue to talk about the number two team that um, we have projected in the conference this year, which is the Michigan state Spartans. Uh, and with the Michigan state Spartans. So again, you have to start off with roster continuity when you talk about this team. Um, at the two guard positions, um, they returned two veterans of the program, AJ Haggard and Tyson Walker. Um, you've got Jaden Akins, who's a solid starter. You've got Malik Hall, who's arguably the heart and soul of their team. And you've got Maddie Sissoko back. Now, um, this wasn't a conference title contending team last year, uh, but. Yeah, I, I think given the injuries that they they had last year um, and some of the just other uh, issues they had getting their um, stuff together at the beginning of the year. I think that's a solid, solid crew to go to battle with before we even talk about um, any of the other things going on with their team. Uh, now, I think on top of that, we need to talk about their recruiting class. Um, they're bringing in Xavier Booker, who is the 11th ranked recruit overall nationally, I believe. Um, And then they're bringing in two other guys who are uh, top 50. So uh, all in all, they probably have the best recruiting class of um, any team in the conference. And none of them are going to have to start off the bat, which is, I think, a great way to get those guys um, involved and integrated. I Actually, I think they're they're the only team that did did they bring in a, a single transfer? I don't believe they did. Uh, no, they did not. Um,
1: yeah, they have a four man recruiting class and the the lowest rated guy in that class is uh, number one hundred twenty four. So, uh, you know, I think I think there was a time for a couple of years, you know, kind of post Jaron Jackson, where their recruiting was a little bit in uh, disarray as kind of evidence. They were relying on guys like Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker through the transfer portal. But, yeah, I mean, this is a crazy recruiting class, but I feel like especially for a like recent Big Ten team.
0: Right. And so I think even more reason where if these one, if one of these guys ends up being like the real deal as a as a freshman, you know, there's room for maybe one of these more veteran guys to to take a back seat, um, depending on what position um, these guys break out at. But, um, you know, I feel like it's it's been a little bit not like not that long. But it's been a little bit since we've really entered a season feeling like Michigan state's got a strong conference title contending team. They've, they've been solid, but this team just feels a little bit different. Doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And I think, I think it's because we've, you know, there have been good,
1: you know, Michigan state teams with maybe higher preseason expectations, but I think you look at it and it's like, they bring so many guys back, you know, you lose Joey Hauser and that's, pretty much it in terms of the, the big contributors from last year. And obviously he'll be missed. He was an experienced player that was able to hit big shots, but I mean, you've got everybody else back and you're bringing in, like you said, if one of these freshmen is ready to play, like that's such a huge bonus. Um, And obviously, you know, Xavier Booker is kind of the guy. And, but you know, if you can bring a guy like Jeremy fears, who's the number 32 recruit off the bench, he's a point guard. Um, And, I mean, he's playing behind Hagard and Tyson Walker, so they can play one of those guys with him too. It's it's you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity there for for some of these young guys to really kind of make an impact while not being the focus of anything, as you as you kind of mentioned. So, but I think, you know, everything context matters for everything, right? And I think the the number one question I have here is is kind of the front court. Um, you know, obviously Malik Hall, great player, um, you know, will do a lot and does everything on the court, but I have, you know, Sissoko is a, an undersized big who can, who can, who's passable. He's definitely, he's definitely a, a Big 10 level player. He's a Big 10 caliber player starter, but I, I don't know if I'd want him as my, my best center. And you've got Jackson Kohler too, who kind of showed some flashes last year. He's, he's a little bit bigger. He's not as physical. So more of like a finesse big. And besides that, there's not a lot there. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 the guard, the front courts and the or the backcourt and the wings are gonna be really, really good. I think it's if they can get consistent production, you know, without Sissoko fouling, which he is he's prone to foul trouble. And and if Kohler can get a little bit better offensively and, and a little more physical, like that's what elevates the ceiling for this team into, you know, are we talking final four contenders or something like that?
0: Yeah, well, and that's where I think, you know, Xavier Booker. Well, uh, yeah, that's where I think he comes in. But I think also you're 100% right to bring that up because no no team can contend with our number one team that we're going to talk about in a second here without having a, um, a, a a big guy that they can rely on and have that position solidified. Um, and so I think you make an interesting argument in that, you know, Michigan State, um, well, they've got some guys, um, I think there's definitely teams that even lower down on our list that have that position a little bit more solidified. Um, so I, I'd say, yeah, you know, and, and Malik Hall, I, I think, yeah, he's been very, very up and down throughout his career. But in some ways, he's the heart and soul. Of that. Team. I mean, they have several hearts and souls, right? Like sometimes I feel like Tyson Walker is the heart and soul of their team, too, um, and Hagard as well. So um, I, I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot to work with here. Um, and unlike Brad Underwood that we talked about a couple of teams ago I very much trust Thomas to put it all together um, and I, I think I think the energy around East Lansing is going to feel a little bit different and um, I agree with you I think for Michigan State this year you know second weekend should be the expectation and final four should be sort of the the upside because this this team's that good and when you combine kind of Young talent, veteran, um, veteran-laden core, and you know Tom Izzo as the coach. I, I think there's a lot to like here. Which brings us to our number one team. Uh, without much surprise, we've got the Purdue Boilermakers ranked um, number one uh, in the conference because uh, most uh, media people will have them ranked number one in the in the country to start out the year. Uh, most people who you know, know about the Big Ten, know the situation with Purdue, right? Um, Zach Eadie's coming back. They've got two awesome, really, really young guards and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, um, and you know, they've they're they're solid at the at the wings too. With um, it, it likely being some combination of Ethan More Morton and Caleb First rounding out their starting lineup, but they've they've also got other guys that um, they can bring off the bench too. Uh, to me. This season, it's more about Purdue overcoming the mental burden that they put on themselves of not being able to win in March than anything else. They're going to walk out on the court every day and most times they play, you know, they're going to be the best team. They've proven that they can handle that um, in past years and and still, you know, win conference titles. Uh, But really to me, and I hate to have like a basic opinion on these guys, but it all comes down to how they perform in March this year. Frankly, I don't think anything else that happens for four matters. I mean, they should win the conference. They finish second or third. I don't know that it'll matter. It, you know, they're gonna have probably a top five, top six seed in the NCAA tournament this year. It it all comes down to what happens then. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like the
1: that's the big thing, right? Like they gotta, they have to, the a non a non second weekend appearance. If, if if that doesn't, if they don't make it to the second weekend, then then. I, you know, it's, it's unconscionable basically, but it was interesting. Cause last year, as we talked about a lot, like no one expected Purdue to be that good. Like no one expected that we had them fourth or fifth in the conference, I think. And, you know, they started, they won their first like 15 games or something like that last year, I think. uh And then just kind of stormed through, you know, obviously a couple hiccups here and there with, with the big 10, but I mean, you know, obviously, Edie, having a player of Edie's caliber in college is is and uh, height and caliber is is so so big in college. Um, literally, he's seven four. Um, but I think that you know, no one expected Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer to be as good as they were as true freshmen, and they had they were out there a lot together. I think what you're looking for this year is you know they bring back all of their wings, and I think really I'm looking at Trey Kaufman Wren um, specifically to to kind of provide more of a jolt uh, in the wing. We've seen Mason Gillis for 37 years in college. We've seen Caleb first and, you know, both of those guys have their moments, but there's a lack of consistency on the wings, specifically with Purdue um, that they can't quite figure it out. And that's why I think one of them is really needs to take this leap and be more consistent. And uh, so that they have kind of, you know, options if teams swarm ed like fairly Dickinson did. And, um, so I think, but yeah, and it also comes down to, as you mentioned, kind of the mental block of of the of losing to a sixteen seed, um, which obviously, you know, Virginia was able to do it. I I you know Matt Painter is a good coach, and I think that he will have his guys ready for what is a pretty daunting non conference schedule. Um, but I think, you know, Edie is what he is. He's not gonna start launching threes. That's fine. He doesn't need to, and he's gonna he's gonna be around the post uh pretty much exclusively. So I think it's on, you know. Lawyer and Smith to be to just keep getting better, which there's no sign that they won't. It's on first in Morton and Gillis and Kaufman Wren to like kind of prove that they can be a go an option if they need to when things are looking dire. Um, And it's just it's going to be when it gets to March, as you mentioned, like it's also like, you know, they've lost to a 15 seed and a 16 seed in, in consecutive years. And it's just kind of getting over that and imposing your will and playing your style of basketball, even if teams try to make it hard to do so. Uh, come, come, tournament time. But yeah, I mean, I think I think the battle of Michigan State Purdue is going to be very interesting. I think you could have put either, like, you know, if if one of us had put Michigan State at number one, I wouldn't have been super shocked. Um, but these the, Purdue along with Michigan State is the clear class of the conference uh, as things stand right now.
0: So that that's it. Hey, that um, wraps up our our season preview. Um, we want to thank all of you guys for for tuning into both parts i I think it's gonna be a really really fun season Um, and we hope that um us laying it out the the puts and takes of each team in this way will help you be armed with all the information you need to start watching games when they tip off on that first tuesday in november Um, and as we've mentioned we'll be with you every week going through all the games like like we do as normal um and what's really going to be the the last year of the the Big 10 in its current form so um thanks everyone for for listening to the preview and we'll be back with you guys soon